Okay. Yeah. So that's where a lot of the big banks know that they don't need to sharpen their pencil as much as they right. could, because they also know that they can just issue a letter or a notice on your mobile app of what your rate is going to be on that renewal. And a huge portion of their clients just click renew and they don't yeah. actually shop around. They don't spend the time. They don't go back asking <laughs> anything and they get out negotiated by just a computer generated rate offering that's at typically, you know, the higher end of the spectrum of what that institution can offer. You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate today. Hello, and welcome back to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast. We are here. It is November. Gentlemen, how are we doing? It's are Monday. you here, Paul? Are you here, Paul? I'm, That's what I want to know. Are you here? Where are you? Look, Paul? look at that placeholder. Look at that placeholder. Wow. I'm looking very wow. alert. Alert, alert. <laughs> Why don't you tell us about your weekend, Paul? Yeah, well, I'll int- why don't I introduce us first? Introduce us. For the, new, for the new listeners. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited. I, my name is Paul Stevenson. I'm a mortgage agent, level two. Okay. Check me out, paulstevenson.ca. I'm uh, joined with David Warren, as always, mortgage agent, level two, owner, referral mortgages. And Greg Campbell, realtor, extraordinaire, the agency Ottawa, the agency. And we're here, yeah. gentlemen. We're here. Yeah. We're back. I'm actually, I'm, I'm in a car. I'm in, I'm in motion. Actually, I'm stopped right now, but we will be in motion. Short, <laughs> cruising back, cruising back from Cleveland. Uh, went down with my brother and a couple of our buddies for uh, my friend's 40th birthday. He's a huge Browns fan. So we got tickets for the Browns game. They kicked some butt yesterday. Shut out the cards, which was awesome. But the experience of tailgating and going to a stadium of 70,000 people cheering for the same team was exceptional. Quite, quite different from the Sens. Not that the Sens are bad, but much, it's like gas on the fire, you know, totally different. I, I was saying, well, everyone descending on the stadium, wearing orange and so on, it felt like, it felt like you were going to battle, you know, we were, <laughs> we, were, we were going to battle against the Cardinals. It must, it must motivate the team. You know, mm-hmm. that, that amount 100%. of energy that's crazy dude they had it, it was it was support the troops like troop appreciation yesterday so they had the flyover before the game while they're singing the anthem and it, it truly i'm not even american it almost brought a tear to my eye like i felt proud just to be there you know like i can't imagine the players like legit just put my hands in the air and close my eyes just to take it in like it was such a powerful experience it was wild so yeah the players i can't imagine the adrenaline that you get from running onto that field with you know everyone barking and cheering like it was awesome it was awesome a truly truly incredible experience and i will definitely go to another game that's cool you know what i've never been i've also never been to an nfl game which i i can't believe that i haven't but i have no it was my first yeah it was really cool i know the bills aren't too far i know a lot of friends i think dave you've even that's been to a bills what game, i was no? gonna say i've been invited to a bills game before and i never never went took them up on the opportunity to travel to the bills game now, it's something that I regret deeply based on your <laughs> comments, Paul. I think maybe we'll just have to do that for once. Mm-hmm. I think we do a tow rep road trip to the Bills game. We'll, yeah. we'll record live from the tailgate. I would go. I would go. <laughs> I would go. I'm down. The, you know, Buffalo, also home of, home of Rick James. I'm a big fan. So, you know, I'd like to go see, oh, wow. see his favorite local wing spot where I've heard numerous <laughs> stories from. Yeah. 
I have some good stories. I have good, I have some good stories from Rick James. I actually have one story that was personally told to me by a man who Rick James had a hit out on in Paris. That's a crazy story. That's not not for the show, but you no, know, it was it was a wild wild story that there's no way. Like, it's the kind of shit you just don't make up. My yeah, mind blown. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> Rick James, Boston. No, uh, Buffalo. Sorry, not Boston. Buffalo. Buffalo. Yes. Rick James. David, how was your weekend? Week was good. I was actually down in Mexico for a, a mortgage conference. The network that we're under sent them. We'd had their their summit down in in Mexico. It was good there for for five days. My voice is a little hoarse because I didn't get back until very late in the morning. So very limited sleep right now. So if my energies are a little low, that's the reason why. <laughs> but, you, but you're full of positivity. You're radiating positivity. Is that the same thing that you were at last year when I met, when I met you down there in February? No, no. Okay. That was a different thing. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, this was, yeah, uh, was just... this was all the different agents and brokerages from around the country under the network. So I had a uh, bunch of lenders as well, probably 15 or 20 different lender partners down there as well. So some good all day sessions with them and, and some other side sessions, just talking to the brokers around this, around the country of what people are doing, how they're seeing the, their market. Everyone's, everyone's market is different. Right. So it's kind of just learning how they're navigating the waters or, or whether they're just trying to weather the, the volume they have, like in Calgary, you know, it's still wild mm -hmm. there. And so, you know, just they're dealing with a whole different type of, of ball game there. So just learning how the different brokers from around cool. are waiting it. So I'm yeah, I was disappointed I couldn't be there. It was, looked like a really good time. Yeah. Good crowd, good people. Yeah, was you, good. Were was... you were in you were in Cleveland, Paul. You were in Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of a different environment. Yeah. Took priority. <laughs> Not as yeah. many sunny beaches. That's, that's great, Dave. I imagine you'll have some info for us as we get into the show here. Yep. Yeah, 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 for sure. Our listeners will be interested in that. I, in case anyone's wondering what I did. I had a wedding. I had a friend of mine was married on, on Saturday. There's, and there's one thing I want to, I want to mention last week on the show, I was back from my hernia surgery. Shout out to the people from the show, the listeners that hollered at me directly to check in on me, see how I was making out. That was, that was very, very un, unexpected. Very, was very grateful for that. Thank you for asking. And what I will say is that I had the surgery done on the Thursday. That was the Monday. What I was and and I was feeling pretty good that day. You know, I watched the episode. I'm like, hey, I feel pretty good for a guy that just had a hernia surgery. The days after that, I was in a lot of pain. So it's I just want to tell anyone who goes through the process, the pain of the surgery versus the post pain that feels like you have a a curling rod, like a curling iron on a low heat, constantly burning into the side of your groin is basically what I was feeling for about three Sounds days. horrible. It was horrible. I was taking more meds than I wanted to. What, what do you want? What do you want here? What are you doing? Oh, she's my, my daughter. Just wants to give me a hug. Oh, I love the glasses. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, okay. Okay. Love you. And yeah, so I just want to let everyone know <clears throat> the healing process is different for, for everybody. Apparently my recovery is pretty normal. And, uh, but yeah, that pain was just a lot. And then I went out to the wedding on uh, Saturday night, feeling good. I was there for too long. So yesterday was also painful. Today is the first day. So I'm 10 days post-surgery. 
mm-hmm. 11 days post-surgery, I feel good. I feel good again. No, no more painkillers, no Tylenols, no Advils, no nothing. I'm good. That's great. Anyone That's has great. questions about hernia surgery, call me. I have all the answers. New pro. I Greg Campbell. Or, have to go through it again. or real estate questions. <laughs> hernia or real estate questions. Or real estate questions. Let's Either dive or. into it. We, Let's dive into it. <laughs> Let's dive into it. Thanks for listening, guys. The show, the show is just gradually becoming us just talking about our weekends. We're going to have to have like a separate t- Torah weekend show where we can just take an excerpt. We should. We should just. Dude, what's the breakout this week? It's the intro. Yeah, it's the intro. What's exactly. going on? With 10 minute intro. So, good news bond rates have come down in the last week. I think since we did the last show, I think they were sitting at 4.1 still or so. And when I checked this morning, it was around 3.83. So, we've seen a pretty Good draw, you know, over a quarter point drop, which is, you know, as Dave, you're saying before the show, some lenders have already dropped their rates. And I, it's full expectation that the majority of the remaining lenders will also be dropping rates this week. So, you know, I think that's good in general for, you know, anyone coming up for renewal, they can at least take advantage of, even if it's a, a short term drop, uh, you know, they can lock in rates now for up to the 120 days, essentially for the next four months. So that'll give some reprieve to those, you know, that were concerned about locking in at six percent six six and a quarter etc so so that's see, great and then also say three eight three so that that's, that's where the, the bond's bond. at that's the bond. story so that's not, the bond i'm like what are you talking yeah. about okay yeah 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 imagine <laughs> yeah greg has 10 new aps's on his desk now uh, <laughs> oh. no but for anyone for anyone who is you know who's pre-approved on a fixed rate or, or locked in a rate now you know they can revisit that with their with their mortgage professional and they can they're you know they're likely going to have a stronger buying power now so it if nothing else, it'll give people people a broader scope, maybe a few more options, and I think overall, it's you know it's good news. So, and and for for those of you that do have maybe you have an accepted offer, maybe you do have a renewal where you've locked in that rate, realize that the banks that you're working with and the mortgage brokers you're working with are able to actually float down your rate and take advantage of any of those rate drops. So, certainly, if they're not, they should be proactively doing that for you, anyways. But if they have not, or you want to double check, certainly ask them about that. But, you know, bad news in the economy for where the economy is going is good news for mortgage rates is basically what it boils down to. So the worst of the news in the housing market, the worst of the news for GDP growth and more recession talk equals better mortgage rates. So it's not all, it's not all roses and unicorns out there. It's, It's actually been really bad GDP numbers and really bad employment rate numbers, but for those that don't care about any of that and really just look at your mortgage rate, that's positive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of doom and gloom going on, man. I've been watching, I watch a lot of real estate content now on both Canada and the U S and it's just the U S stuff I've been watching lately is like, some of it is insane. These like epically well-produced videos just talking about you're done. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Dave, what was the, you, you mentioned that you got kind of feedback from different areas of the country. Like what are other people seeing in their markets? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are still, you know, they're seeing qualifying being, being hard for sure. in the different areas, Toronto uh, and Vancouver still being quite down, obviously the Alberta market just booming same as Halifax. So out East that they're still gangbusters and continue to grow, but really kind of the overarching sentiment was that People, you know, there was a good, a really good comment that somebody made and that mortgage agents and professionals get misconstrued about is that real estate 
So mortgage purchase, transaction numbers, and mortgages are one and the same, and they're not. They're do, two mortgage mortgages are completely service based. There's a lot more aspects that drive that business over just purchases and those numbers. So it's something that people kind of have really aligned as far as real estate and mortgages when really they are very independent in the sense that what the purchase numbers out there might be for transactional might sure lead to less mortgage purchase transactions, but there's still tons of renewals and tons of still refinances and consolidations there and things like that. And that's really something that uh, was that people were talking about is learning again, like for consumers read up on, ask your bank or ask your mortgage professional coming up for renewal. You don't have to stay with the bank that you're with. And, and I know we've touched on it before, but knowing the ins and outs of transfers and renewals, and that's going to be a huge portion of the, of, you know, the, the business out there for, for mortgage brokers. Yeah. They got to know, I mean, that comment, I keep, I keep getting asked that, that one thing of, you know, when their mortgage is up for renewal and they want to go shop around and I'm like, well, what's your position like right now? Like, have you, <laughs> have you changed jobs? Did you just buy, did you make another big purchase? What, where are you sitting financially now? Because now you have to start all over again and chances are there's no way you're going to be able to get that. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of people too over the pandemic that, that either changed jobs or, or started into something new or you know started something part-time and then it became full-time. So there's been a lot of transition over the last five years. So a lot of those people coming up for renewals are in a different position. I have a few clients right now that, you know, one of them just started a new role eight months ago, but it's a 12 month probation. So now, you know, I'm right. talking to different lenders, getting exceptions for that sort of thing, but it's very common, you know, or people transition into maybe commission-based roles or, you know, as I said, they maybe had a salary and a part-time commission base and now they've gone fully into that commission base. So there's a lot of those things that maybe they didn't think about the impact on the renewal when they did it, obviously just trying to put themselves in a better financial position. And now when it comes time for renewal, they're, they're kind of in that place where, this is coming as a surprise or, uh, you know, we have to navigate the waters a little differently. So let, let me ask you this. So when you have, I mean, generally, is this still the same way? If you're with a lender, your mortgage comes up for renewal, you can still just sign off on it as long right. as you agree to what the rate is. Yeah. So that, so that's it's where a lot way. of, okay. yeah. So that's where a lot of the big banks know that they don't need to sharpen their pencil as much as they right. could because they also know that they can just issue a letter or a notice on your mobile app of what your rate is going to be on that renewal. And a huge portion of their clients just click renew and they don't yeah. actually shop around. They don't spend the time. They don't go back asking mm -hmm. anything and they get out negotiated by just a computer generated rate offering. That's at typically, you know, the higher end of the spectrum of what that institution could even offer. People don't go back and negotiate that or go to a broker and, and say, you know, this is what my bank offered me. And even if you worked with a broker originally, like saying like, this is what my monoline or my, you know, or whatever maybe lender is offering me, what else is out there and looking at that because there are ways in which I know we touched on it last week, some, some, some things that came out in the, in the industry for qualifying, that's made it substantially easier for people that are up for renewal to qualify but yeah, taking a look and shopping it around because it's it's a massive portion. It's I think I think the stat is for 2024, 8%, <clears throat> sorry, 8% of TDs book of mortgages is coming up for renewal. RBC, CIBC, Scotia, they're in the teens of their overall book coming up for renewal mm -hmm. in 2024. 
it's billions and billions of dollars of mortgages. And so if those people are not, they're doing themselves and their families a disservice by not actually shopping that renewal around to look at what the cost savings could be because that new bank will pay for the legal to transfer that mortgage over. You're not paying any penalties. It's on maturity. And so it's really kind of just speaking right. to a professional and looking at what's out there, especially when we have, you know, most, you know, the banks don't really care and pay attention to the bond market and even be able to give advice of where things are trending or heading to be able to float down that rate. Like that advisors or that renewal offer, it's not being adjusted or, or even thought about being adjusted. When, no you know, based on where bonds are that day or anything like that. Whereas a mortgage professional, you might, it might be TD today has the best rate and that's where we place you. But leading up to that closing date of, of that transfer, we are having them float that rate down to whatever that max discretion is based on where the bonds are. So there's huge value in there. So that, that was, that was an overarching sentiment of this past week is, is really kind of things that we've touched on here in the past, but where, a lot of brokers see their business going and where they're getting a lot of business as well. And this also speaks right to the, what we were saying last week or the week before about the lenders now, like the OSFI kind of announcement that lenders are able to do the, the transfer at the contract rate for, for those renewals. So anything that was, you know, an insured mortgage that makes a big difference now because a lot of those people, again, if they're in new roles or, or their situations have changed, maybe they wouldn't be able to qualify with that, contract three plus two, but now with this ability to transfer uh, previously insured mortgages at the contract rate, it's going to open doors for those clients again. Right. And Dave, to your point, like you said, like if someone locked in, let's say a month ago or, or even two weeks ago when rates were kind of at their peak and their renewal might not be till January, well, they definitely want to revisit that, right? As rates continue mm -hmm. to drop. So, yeah. No. And I, they uh, still, and if, if you're going for, if you're shopping for rate, like, you know, before you renew, is is the stress test still a factor? Like when you're going for a new application, it would be so, like 8%. So if it's, if it's a, if it's a previously, what's called a previously insured mortgage. So you purchased with less than 20% down. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it, this applies for people that put 20% or more, but if the mortgage is insured with one of the three mortgage default insurers. Most know this is CMHC, but CMHC, Canada Guarantee, Sajin, those mortgages, when up for renewal, they can qualify at what that current contract five-year fixed rate is. So as an example, let's say somebody's up for renewal and they had a mortgage where they put 10% down previously, it's insured. And they the rate right now on a five-year fix is 5.69. They can qualify at 5.69. The new bank just has to assume all of the terms and conditions of that previously oh, insured previous mortgage. Okay. Now, so that's that's very new. It's been it, it was buried in the regulators' documentation. They never even exp explained this. No bank even knew that this was possible up until it kind of came to light two weeks ago that. Every lender, for the most part, changed their tune, which is great news for consumers because they were having to qualify at that five-year fix plus 2%. So obviously making it much more challenging to move banks. Whereas if you're qualifying at, you know, right now at 569, well, you know, you were having, when you got that mortgage, you likely were qualifying at five and a quarter anyways, based on where that qualifying stress test was regardless. Okay, so so that's, that's good to know. Yeah. So where it does affect people on, on transfers is if your mortgage is not insured. If it is, if you bought with 20% down and a 30 year amortization 
and you're looking at moving, that mortgage needs to be stress test, meaning the rate plus 2% is where you're having to qualify on. So there are a lot of nuances there. Again, this is where speaking to somebody that actually knows what the heck is going on in the market for some of these tricks can be you know, highly beneficial because what you get when you speak to your own bank about might not be completely accurate because they might just not be abiding by those rules because not every institution has adopted these changes. So um, this is something, you're, are you telling me something that this has been available and most banks just didn't know about this? No bank knew about it. So yeah. <laughs> how Canada, because, Canada? because the regulator just kept it buried <laughs> in Canada and like, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, just kept it buried it's in, and is in a fine print. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was it like was, an ast- asterisk on page thirty six. It was like Canada. where's Waldo? Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny whenever these whenever these sorts of things come to light, it's always hilarious because you know a month ago someone in that situation where they weren't able to transfer and were maybe getting you know maybe duped a bit by their current lender, they're like, what are we going to do? And then out of nowhere, this rule that nobody knew existed comes to light and all of a sudden there's options you know it's wow. like yeah oh, I'm gonna, to, that's, thank you for that i'm that's good information i'm going to share that with everyone i i, I agree with you it's <laughs> absolutely terrible that it wasn't disseminated and, and known about and that's that's really on the regulator if the that they never shared that because to paul's point there's a lot of people that got stuck in with their institution feeling like they had no options right which is class high, action coming yeah which is, high, which is highly unfortunate <laughs> because they were kind of backed into a corner when they uh-huh. didn't necessarily need to. So anyways, yeah. The So, you know, as going back to what, you, you know, your original question of what people around the country are really talking about, it was, it was a lot of that. It was a lot of strategy around helping consumers in that regard from educating about their upcoming, you know, transfers, renewals, things like that. For those that aren't in crazy purchase transaction markets like, you know, Calgary or, or Halifax, things like that. So. Very, very interesting. Uh, that's that's a super, super informative tip. <laughs> that's what we're here for, Gregory. Yeah. Thank you for bringing um, me, Torep co-host. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool, I would say is maybe the wrong word. An interesting article with regards to the, we, you know, we've been talking about builders and, you know, appraisals coming in light and, you know, prices shifting and so on since they bought and you had an article about it was a Toronto Toronto area buyers walking away from from deposits on new homes. I had a story very similar to this in Ottawa, but I'd like to hear kind of your review on the article, and then I can tell that story if if it's relevant. Yeah, no, it, it pretty straightforward. Just more in the GTA, a lot of single family homes in the suburbs, things like that, where <laughs> where the prices have dropped off, or they're not able to qualify, or the like the appraisals just not hitting value that people are are having to unfortunately walk away from massive deposits. And some in the case of, you know, $300,000 and more down is what they put as a deposit. But because of where values came in on that appraisal or them not being able to qualify, that they're just leaving that money on the table and and hoping the the builder doesn't go after them for any more. And just kind of, again, like just walking away. That They're kind of doing that analysis of, well, Yes, we're into it for three hundred thousand, but do we really want to be into it for six hundred thousand out of pocket mm-hmm. instead? So they kind of, unfortunately, are having to make that decision. Where and then you know, and then it becomes, you know, the builder becomes in a tight spot as well, right? Like they can't, they they've they've already started these projects. They put a lot of capital mm-hmm. into these as well, and so it kind of has a trickle effect because these 
places don't close and what these contracts are signed at, then the, then those builders are out the money as well, which then slows down developments kind of as an overarching for, for an area. And, so. and many, and most, most homes, well, I shouldn't say this, but I mean, I guess we don't know what this looks like yet in terms of if they're going to resell mm-hmm. at a lesser amount. So like they have, let's right. say, let's say it's 2 million for like easy numbers. Let's say the home is, was 2 million. There was, was 300,000 down. So there's, they're, they're leaving that deposit or not down mm-hmm. the deposit yeah. walking away. So that's 1.7 million. So now do you think the sellers or the builder is going to be able to resell that property at 1.7 million? Well, I don't think they can because they, if they start advertising pricing too and, low, that's when they start shooting themselves in the foot. And like, it continues to snowball because then appraisals on other like product are people signed a contract are affected. You know, appraisals, appraisers value, they look at what something's listed at, but they're also, they have to look at what the past three months sales have been, the 90 day sales in that area of, of resale and compare it to that as well. And they'll assign values if, you know, let's say a property sold in the last 90 days in the area that was built a year ago or two years ago, they're looking at that value. They're assigning some an increase in value because of being a new product uh, right. or square footage or bedrooms or anything like that. But they do, and they do keep in mind and they do pay attention to what that builder sale price is, but they have to look at what's transacted on the open market um, and take that into most account. But so for builders, they they don't want to have the prices being dropped substantially because then the people that are signing that already have contracts signed, they've shot themselves. That in the are front. actually going through with the, with the purchase. Yeah. And, right. and, the, and then that's where, you know, I think we talked about it a while ago on a lot of, on, on another episode was a lot of builders, at least that I know in Ottawa, they were, they were instead of dropping their price, they were trying to, in January and February of this year, buying down the rate. Right. So instead mm-hmm. of, instead yeah, yeah, of the yeah. rate being in the fives, they were offering, you know, they were offering rates of, you know, three and a half percent or whatever it is, because instead of dropping their price by $50,000 or a hundred thousand dollars, they instead put that into the, the rate buy down so that their price was still kept up, but they, you know, that savings was just going into, to the rate to incentivize people. And I um, wonder if like these, you know, depending on how much this happens, like are the builders, are some builders going to file bankruptcy or when they come, when everything kind of, you know, balances out a bit, are they going to go after the buyer, regardless of whether they drop their deposit for more, for more money for like carrying costs, like whatever legal fees, like all that stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, wonder that, that, if that's, that's going to happen. Like, I mean, because that's not that's still good. that's a possibility, right? I mean, people don't realize that just because you're sacrificing your deposit doesn't mean you can't be that that builder can't years, go we'll after have up you. Two years to come at you. Yeah, for you know, for if if they can't sell that property or the difference between what you've signed the purchase agreement for, and this isn't just builders, this is any mm-hmm. resale purchase agreement too. If you've signed right. a purchase agreement and it's firm, and you walk away. You might only have a ten thousand dollar deposit, but if they can't, if they they sell that house for a hundred thousand dollars less, well, they can go after you for that difference of ninety thousand plus the closing costs plus plus plus. And so, a lot of people think that it's just the deposit they lose, but it's not always the case. And to your point, like two years is what they have. So, I mean, it's possible that the builders go after them for that. I think it becomes how much are they losing? Mm-hmm. Are they losing overall? And then, and then it becomes like, okay, well, if we're not losing, then we don't want to tarnish our name either. It'd be known as right. a builder that litigates. Yeah. But if they're, but if they are 
put in a position where they're sitting on tons of product and and just you know losing millions of dollars then then I'm, I'm sure they would have to start looking at what that cost benefit analysis is of, of litigating the uh, this was this was also a very common strategy in auto the last three to five years is you know buy a pre-sale wait a year and a half sell it for you know 10 to 15 percent return as soon as it's done well that's that's gone right those days are gone right yeah. now and mm-hmm. i think a lot of people did that as a strategy and now they're they're kind of you know they're in that same position dave just mentioned the clients i was talking about i'll be very broad but essentially they bought they bought a place weren't pre-approved in advance already owned their own homes came time to close on it and a direct comparable was you know let's just say five percent less than what they paid and you know we were looking at options for private lending because they couldn't qualify under a traditional lender so then it became a scenario of do they lose their deposit or do they pay additional fees in hopes of selling the property for more in say six months or so you know there was plans to kind of do some small additions and, and finish the basement and so on but you know the appraiser that i spoke to said you know i have a direct comparable from the builder same unit same square footage same street like you can't get any more of a direct comparable and it's less so we can't we like we can't bolster this you know at all and so they were in that exact position like do we lose our deposit or do we invest more money in hopes that we'll eventually get that back in six months to a year and that's a you know a very very difficult and challenging position to be in you know there was one thing that i was saying when the market was crazy i said to everybody that purchased i said you know, they'd ask me like, what do you foresee happening? And I would always go back to my comments that I've, that we've shared of, of the 20 year cycle in Ottawa, regardless, you know what I mean? The whole, the, the peak and then the plat the flat line for like 20 years, like slow rise and then the peak and then the, the slow rise over like 20 years. Right. And I would say right now we're at the peak, the absolute peak. Are you going to stay in your house for five to 10 years? Are you going to stay in your house for five to 10 years? Right. And, and the majority of people would answer yes. But I also know there's a lot of people that, you know, if situations change or they still thought that they'd be able to, you know, sell it. Everyone says that and make money. Like no one, you know, the people that commit are, are rare that move into a house and that they're going to, they're going to keep it right now, regardless of the interest rates fluctuating, the variable rate and all that stuff, people being caught finance is a different story. But like, you know, my comment is, you know, if you, are in a situation like what you're talking about, Paul, you know, maybe they do just, they put down the extra money that they need or whatever to get it done. You know what I mean? Cause like, if they're going to be there for, if they're going to stay there that long, or if they're just going to keep it and rent it out and just try to work with it like that, if they have that mindset, then you know what I mean? They'll, they'll be okay. They'll find a way to make it work. But it's when you kind of just give up and look at the situation as what it is immediately, that's when you can lose focus and just see it as like, I'm losing this big chunk of money, you know, and that's, you know, again, every situation is different. I just, I think a lot of people just kind of get excited about what's going on in the media and what's kind of being presented to them in an unclear way. And they're not looking at the big picture. I think people rush into situations. I mean, we, you know, we all do, we're all like kind of instant gratification, human beings in general. Right. So I think there's a little bit of a lack of education with certain circumstances with some, but you know, I hope everybody in the end makes the right decision for them because what's going on now is just crazy. There's a lot of, there's a lot of winning and there's also a lot of loss right now. Yeah. I'd be interested to see when, when, and if, you know, as rates continue to drop this week, how many headlines we'll see indicating that. 
right? Because we see lots mm-hmm. of them. We see lots of them when they go up 0.1%, but not so many clickbaity headlines when they're slowly coming down. So yeah. we'll, we'll see how many we see. <clears throat> There's nothing, but I mean, people are worried. People are worried. Buyers, buyers are concerned whether, you know, if they can buy, the market is still slow right now. It's very slow. I think the October numbers, I, we don't have them as of this moment, but I believe that we will have it before the show launches tomorrow and or today, because <laughs> you're not watching it right now as we're recording. <laughs> and the, oh my God, where was I going? I just distracted myself. Statistics? Slow numbers. So I was reading that Toronto had its, they had its slowest October in like the last in decades, mm-hmm. lowest in decades. So just hearing that, I'm really anxious to see what happened here in Ottawa. The last little bit, I am seeing more conditional sales overall in the last week, generally for the city, which I think is very positive. That's obviously going to convert into a firm sales. So I'm anxious to see what happens going into the next six weeks leading into the Christmas holidays. Just saying that makes me I'm, yeah, I'm going to say, I said this to a client this week and I'm, I'm oh, going to, I'll put it on, put it on wax that I think between now and April of 2024 will be the best time to buy price-wise in the next probably foreseeable future. You know maybe what? Ever. There's another guy, another YouTuber, Canadian that I was watching. And the comment was that this is going to be the, the, the quickest dip ever in, in our history where it's just going to be like a quick little blip. It's dropping down. We're going to have like four to four to five months and then it's going to go back up again come spring. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, and this guy's like pretty, you know, well-known. I was, I was kind of surprised because I still think it's going to be a flat line for the next number of years, but he, he was kind of implying that he thinks right now we're at, at a, a great opportunity. And then as of, you know, spring next year, it's going to start to creep him back up big time. I agree with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean, and I'm doing my usual thing. It's it's the it's the holidays. I always say November, December, January, yeah. Feb, like best time to buy, you know. And there's more inventory now than there has been in years. Yeah. So if you go and see 20 properties and you can't find something, and you think that comes spring, it's going to be easier, and there's going to be yeah. more. You, my friend, are mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. Do it, people. I mean, hey. Sellers, sellers are, are hungry to sell that, you know, there's, there's room for, there's room for negotiation and mm-hmm. uh, more buyers got to need to come forward. But again, it's, you know, it's a long-term play now there's, there's no more, the heyday has, is long, very, very long gone of making moves and just banking. I just think that, you know, there's, we've talked about this and I'll just say it. So it's on, it's on every episode, but we basically have seen, this is the largest number of buyers you know, in quotes, sitting on the sidelines we've ever seen. Like I've had, again, clients pre-approved for 12 months waiting and waiting and waiting to try to catch the bottom. And ultimately, usually when that happens, you, you, you miss it. You might get close, but you're going to miss it. And I think as soon as it, like you said, Greg, as soon as it starts going up, people start buying that supply starts shortening. It's going to, it's going to be chaos for Mm -hmm. a while and people are going to miss the boat. So I'm saying in the next four months is probably the best time for you to buy as a buyer. After that, you know, we'll see what, we'll see where the market goes. But with Bank of Canada saying rates are probably going to drop here next year, bond rates are sort of bounding out as the economy shifts. You know, it's only, it doesn't take much, a week, a week or two of activity and, and, you know, headlines saying, you know, supply shortages or supplies dipping, so on. Like it's, it won't take much for everyone to get back on the field and start playing and, 
when that happens, prices go up. So, yeah. <laughs> do we do we have a do we have a couple minutes for me just to talk about the commission's ruling that happened in the in the U.S. that is most likely yep. going to roll into uh, Canada? Do we have a couple minutes. Sure, for that? do it. Might as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so, for anyone that's been following this, it, it it happened in the U.S. and there's also a lawsuit in Canada about agents overcharging fees commissions and how the sellers are the ones that pay for everything and how it should be changed. And this has been, it's kind of been going on for years, especially when there are some markets that still charge a 6% commission fee in hopes of, you know, having the seller, the basis of it is the seller offers a higher commission to make sure that the agents will come and bring their buyers to that property. So, you know, the whole process of this is, you know, it's, it's been a problem and now it's finally gone to court and there was a $1.8 billion verdict for, for this. And it was uh, Keller Williams and home services of America. They're liable for $1.8 billion in damages for conspiring to keep commissions artificially high. And it may mark the beginning of the end of how homes are bought and sold. So I'm not going to get into the details of this, but it's happening in Canada right now as well. And the, I was watching something about this and he was a very well-informed, well-spoken realtor. He's been in the business for 25 years in, in Houston. And he was kind of saying how I feel about it. You know, we, sh there should be ways to offer a different system and not um, be stuck to this idea of, you know, a 5%, a 6% or whatever. Now, generally over the last couple of years, it's come down a bit because we do have flexibility. Anyone can ask us to work with them on our, our commission splits. You know, it's up to the agent and the brokerage to be able to be like, well, you know, if I'm going to do this, we can do it at this. If you want this, I can do this. You know, I'm the kind of person where whatever commission I accept, I'm still going to do the amount of work that needs to be done for it. I'm not going to just delete a service because we're not agreeing to the, to the commission and the final yeah. fee. It has to be worked into my offering, I believe. So there's going to be changes and whether that comes in the version of, you know, seller brokerage and then buyer brokerage only, whether it comes into realtors being paid a salary with a bonus based on volume, I imagine that could be another option. And whether it becomes flat fee for negotiations and contract writing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if someone comes to me and says, I want to, I want to buy a home, I want to, I, I, I only want you to do a certain level of service. And they'll have a form that you can that you can choose basically what the realtor does for what price kind of thing. And I, I think that is coming. I know there's some new forms that have just come out in Ontario that I, I'm about to look at today, actually, that relate to some of that on the selling side of things and what mm -hmm. the sellers allow, like this, whether the sellers want you to disclose certain information, whether the sellers want to negotiate for themselves or they want you to negotiate how they want the fee structure to be. So there's a lot of changes happening right now. And I want everyone to know that whenever you are looking to buy or sell, just ask, ask your realtor those questions, ask what they can do for you because they do have options. And if they say that they don't, then, you know, maybe you should go talk to someone else because they absolutely do. And it's, talk important, to Greg. it's important for you to know <laughs> that. And as long as you feel comfortable with the situation, you know, and who you're, who you're working with, you should be able to come up with a solution. Um, because, you know, as we will say, as we have said, 
on the show, you know, dealing with someone that has the knowledge and experience in the industry, it's invaluable when it comes to, you know, making a purchase or sale of this, this capacity. I think uh, you guys would agree with that. Absolutely. I, I think that's, I think it'll be really interesting to see how that unfolds. Like you said, in the U S and through, through to Canada, a lot of times things start in the U S like that and kind of change the industry as a whole. So yeah, I think the mindset, you know, is kind of shifted away in some kit in some areas of, instead of looking at how value can be provided to the, to the consumer or the client and, and unfortunately thinking, how can we, how can we make more money or how can we make more margin? So I think to your point, Greg, of like those realtors that aren't providing value and are just being greedy and it doesn't matter, probably isn't every industry, but people need to be of the mindset of the value needs to be in client first and client focus. It does. It does. And, and to, to go further into this, the other thing that needs to be looked at is, you know, we are the clients of the Canadian Real Estate Association and our local boards just as in the US, there are clients of agents or clients of the National Association of Realtors. Now, in recent years, the fees to work with these companies is astronomical and they keep going up. So, you know, there's a certain level of where does that end as well? Because, you know, just to be in the business basically will cost me about $10,000, right? So something like that. So yearly, and that's just fees to service the board and to service the Canadian, being a member of the Canadian Real Estate Association. So when you think of that too, where does that balance out? Do our fees go down because we drop our fees? You know, where's the, where's the balance here? So there's, there's a lot of changes going on. And I know that in, this, in the US, uh, there's two major brokerages that have just said, we're not going to be a part of the organization anymore. We're out of here. Oh, wow. We're gonna make our we're gonna make our own rules, and we don't need access to your to your system. We have access to the system through another third party source. So mm -hmm. that's also something that's gonna change. And I believe that you know, depending on how it works up here, there's some people will just start walking away when there's other ways to do it. Now, yeah. where the regulations come from, I I don't know what that's gonna look like, but you know, it all it all comes down for the trust between the client and the consumer. And if everybody kind of just decides that we're going to do this, you know, the power gets shifted. So big changes over the next, mm -hmm. you know, I'd say 12, 12 to 18 months, it's going to be big six to six to 18 months, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned. Very interesting. Torah. <laughs> well, Paul, do we, do we have, I know you're on the road, so you might not. Any, uh, oh, I any do. mood boost for us today? I do. I do. <laughs> of course. We, of course. Boost the mood. Uh, okay, let's see. I got. Let's go three today. So number one, I was walking in the jungle, saw a lizard on his hind legs telling jokes. I turned to a local tribal leader and said, "That lizard is pretty funny." And the leader replied, "That's not a lizard. He's a stand-up chameleon." No. Mm. <laughs> pretty good. Oh, pretty good. Number two. Wait for it. You can't blame anyone else if you fall in your own driveway. No. You can't blame anyone if you fall in your... Oh, my gosh. You can't blame anyone else if you fall in your driveway. It's your own asphalt. Mm. Oh, it took a while to get that one in. My daughter's looking <laughs> at me like, what is... I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I'm going to do four. Three. Number three. I accidentally rubbed ketchup in my eyes. Now I have hindsight. <laughs> ah. 
<laughs> and uh, last but not least, you guys know this. I've started investing in stocks. Beef, vegetable, chicken. One day I hope to be a bullionaire. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, Those are great. For, That's it, gentlemen. Thank you, episode, everyone, for tuning for an in. Episode, we didn't think, show. Yeah, we didn't think that we'd go for very long today and we ended up going right? one of the longest ones in a long time. <laughs> I so. didn't even think I'd be here. There you go. <laughs> That's a, I think that was a pretty informative uh, episode, to be honest. Yeah. Thank you for our listeners that are still listening. We love you. <laughs> yes. And we'll be back next week, Tuesdays, 10 a.m. on YouTube and uh, all your streaming platforms. Thank you, as always, for listening and have a great week. Gentlemen, have a great day. Deuces. Bye. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please remember to like, share, comment, and subscribe because we'd really like that.